0: So it is time for our kids' corner. If you're not familiar with that, um, the kids come up here and we gather together in the front here for just a few minutes. So all are welcome for this. By the way, if you were sitting on this side and you saw me shoot off a text on my cell phone, it's not because I uh, wasn't paying attention, right? So, um, PT, do you intend to have the projector on back there right now or...? Okay, it, it is on. I wasn't sure if there was a reason why or what's that? Warmed up for me. Okay, gotcha. Oh wow, we got such a crowd here. I'm gonna have to sneak down here. I'm not used to seeing so many smiling and lovely faces in my in the front of my church in the morning. Oh. <laughs> And then there's the lovely Jeff, of course. (laughs) And we do love you, Jeff. I didn't mean to diss you. So, hi, Aurora. Welcome. And uh, what's your name? Julian? Nice to have you with us this morning, too. So, I wondered if you guys know what happens if I can't pay my bills, How does that work out? What do you think? Yeah, maybe they come and foreclose on my house and boot me out of there, right? But you know, if I can't pay my bills, one of the things that's really not an option, I can't just decide not to eat, right? What do you think? Yeah, that's a really good idea. I could ask somebody else for more money. But does that will that work? You go to the bank? Yeah, I could go to the bank if I have money in there I can take my money back out, right? But I and I may be able to borrow some for a little while. But you're you're on the track that I want you to be on. What if somebody else came and offered me the money. Wouldn't that square my my bill, right? So if I were in the restaurant and I couldn't pay my dinner, I might have to go do dishes, you know, right? Or maybe someone else in the restaurant might see my situation and be sympathetic and pay my bill, right? And if my bill is paid, then I'm good, right? If somebody pays my, my rent or my mortgage, I don't have to worry about being kicked out of my house, right? What if the debt's really, really, really super big? Like, bigger than anybody could afford? Like, what if the debt isn't even in money? What if the debt requires my life? That's pretty serious debt right there, isn't it? But that is our situation with sin. Unless we can be perfect. And I don't know about you, but I haven't had much luck with that. and I've been trying for 55 years. Can you be perfect? Very close, probably, right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> but uh, that'll change, by the way, <laughs> so... Uh, anyway, we owed a debt because of our sin that was so big, only God could settle it up. And he did that by coming to earth as a man named Jesus. And he came to earth as a man where he could do the only thing he couldn't do from heaven, and that was to die, to pay the ultimate penalty for the things that we did wrong. How about that? That's a pretty powerful message, isn't it? It's actually a really good news message because once your debt is paid, you don't need to worry about going and doing the dishes, do you? <laughs> All right, why don't you guys head on back and I'm going to talk to the, the bigger people here. And so <laughs> Are you timing me here? No, I shouldn't have replaced the batteries in that clock quite so soon. So. I, I would just like to actually take a moment to point out that there was a service in Kentucky a while back, and that one lasted about two weeks, so this is not going to go quite that long. But <laughs> Anyway... May the may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You know, I, I as I began to prepare the children's message this morning, I thought about a story myself. A number of years ago, I had a student that came in my in my program for English immersion. I had to pick this kid up at Kennedy Airport in New York City. And I got over to the airport, and I parked my car, and I noted that when I parked the car, I had about a gallon of gas left, so I knew I'd have to get gas, but I went inside the airport and ordered some food, and at that moment, realized I'd forgotten my wallet. And this just moment of sheer panic went through me that, you know, I'm in this car park, how am I going to pay to get my car back? How am I going to put gas in it? And uh, I have the most blessed New York City story I think you're ever going to hear out of this. I went to this Port Authority cop, police woman who was I think maybe four foot eleven, and <laughs> she looked up at me and she said, "Well, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go and get something to eat. Here's twenty dollars." And you're going to work this problem, and when you figure it out, come to the police box if you want to give me my $20 back. Now, I would have never thought that that would have happened in New York City, but it did. And I was so blessed by just that small thing. Imagine how much bigger the blessing of Easter. And we can be thankful that we live under this new covenant. He is risen. And, you know, without Easter, we would have no reason to believe that the crucifixion was anything other than one more in a long string of examples of human brutality. Without Easter, Jesus' life would have ended. His disciples probably would have gone home after after he died and kind of tried to fit back into their past lives crushed and defeated. Jesus' teachings would have been lost to the oblivion of time, and his name probably would have faded out of history. Without Easter, there could be no explanation why the disciples instead went to their deaths to proclaim this gospel and form this church. On Saturday, even the disciples grieved. Even the ones who followed Jesus and knew his teachings the best couldn't have dared to imagine Sunday morning. But Easter came, and Easter changes everything. Because we know Sunday morning is coming, we no longer need to grieve our darkest Saturdays. We don't need to grieve like those with no hope. A chief challenge to Christianity, however, has developed in recent years, and it goes something like this. What God did to Jesus shows that God was not a good God. You know, and that would be true if God did that to Jesus. But that's not what the text says. Jesus himself was clear that no one takes his life Only he has the power to lay it down and pick it up again. That's John 10.18, by the way. And on trial before Pilate in Matthew 28, Jesus tells Pilate that it's true that I am a king. And as a king, I could call on my father and call down here 12 legions of angels, a Roman army of angels. The cross was voluntary. Christ is a true citizen-redeemer. Jesus ultimately chose to bear every flail, every thorn, all the mockery, the cross, the nails, and death itself. And today I want to look at the very last thing Christ said on the church. It's a Greek word, tetelestai. And we translate it into English as, It is finished. But I'd like to take a moment to note that Jesus didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. What a profound difference. But tetelestai was the only Greek word that Jesus used from the cross. Everything else he said was in Aramaic. Why choose languages? Why mix it up with the last word? You see, the Greeks valued... Skilled rhetorical oratory, that is, they valued the ability to reason out an argument of ideas. And in Greek, there was a saying that went something like this. um, To give an ocean of meaning in a single drop of speech. That is, to say more by saying less. And don't worry, I've learned that lesson too. (laughs) Or at least I'm trying You see, Tetelestai is not merely it is finished. It's not the cry of a helpless martyr about to die, but rather the firm assertion of satisfaction. Actually, even victory. Tetelestai was used in battle. It's the cry of triumph. Tetelestai, we win! In business, Tetelestai means that your contract has been fulfilled or your debt has been paid in full. I've made my last mortgage payment to Telesty. It is a sign of success and satisfaction. In ordinary life, it just means maybe I did it. I, I ran a marathon to Tei. I hiked the Appalachian Trail to telestai. I I did I graduated college or high school. You know, but telestai is also a verb in its perfect sense. That means that whatever it did do, it did forever. It's not just, it is finished. It's not just, I did it. It's not just, but it's rather forever done. In this sense, it was finished then, On the cross, it's finished now, it's finished tomorrow, and it is finished for all time. No one can unfinish it. And in this sense, I think tetelestai is the entire gospel rolled up into a single word. It contains the foundation of the believer's assurance. And it's therefore the sum of all joy, the very spirit of divine consolation a declaration on the part of the divine redeemer that all that's required by the law has been now and forever fulfilled to save and forever redeem the sinner. To telestai is the great purpose of God in the history of mankind, and that purpose has now and forever been accomplished on the cross. Christ has won. Now, I mentioned earlier in the sermon that Tetelestai has a business meaning as well. Can we get the screen down here? That business meaning is paid in full. And on the first Easter Sunday in an empty tomb in Jerusalem, Jesus Christ's disciples found that receipt that said paid in full. My battery or that battery. <laughs> well, bear with us. We were very nearly perfect here this morning. So, <laughs> Here is what a paid in full receipt for your sins and mine looks like. The burial shroud of Christ records every flail stripe, every thorn piercing his bow, and the full specter of Roman crucifixion. What Jesus voluntarily bore to pay your debt and mine. That is love. Jesus loves you if there is any doubt. Look at that image. Jesus loves you no matter what your state, what sin you struggle with. Jesus loves you. And Jesus calls me and you to love other people in that same way. Jesus loves you, and so do I. Thank you, PT. I think we can... (laughs) Yeah.